Hey everyone, welcome to the Others Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Penny. Back after yet another long hiatus. Uh, I think the last podcast was back in the summer when we had the In Search of uh, 20th anniversary. So it has been quite a while. But yes, hopefully getting back into a more regular recording schedule now. And we are back with a new track and a new guest joining me this week from, and I've just completely forgot where you said you're from, Chris. Hang on, let me guess. That's what I was going to say. Yes, Chris Morales. How you doing, man? You good? Good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm feeling good. I feel uh, happy to be on a platform that's you know based around this culture that I love. So. Good, man. Well, we're glad to have you. Love having new guests on there, getting uh, everyone's differing points of views. So, yeah, let's see what we get into. So this week we're going to talk about uh, change clothes. Absolutely. This was your choice from the short list that I gave you. Any particular reason you fancied this one? I'd have to say, like, so the Black Album in general is a pretty historic album in, in, in its own right. But I think it was just an amalgamation of just, uh, you know, a lot of great people at the top of their game, all, you know, all aligning, all the planets aligned. And, you know, this one came out. So, uh, yeah, I love the album. It's great. It's, you know, it's classic. Definitely. So this was the first single from, as you said, the the Black Album. Uh, the video, I don't know if the single was released at the same time, but the video, I think, was around the 4th of November 2003. So that's just a little while after Front In, a few months before Drop It Like It's Hot. So like you say, a real kind of key time for, for Pharrell in the Neptunes there with some huge hits going on at that time. Um, this track peaked at number 10 on the US Billboard Hot 100, so not too bad, I guess. Yeah. Hit number three in Belgium. What else have we got? UK, 32, not great there. But not a bad sort of you know, lead single for for the album. I guess off of the Black Album, there is obviously a, a multitude of tracks you could have picked for a first single to lead that because it, it has kind of... Yeah, you know, bangers all the way through, basically. Yeah. I'd say as well, it annoys me slightly. I think I might mention this on the podcast before. Uh, I have a signed copy of the Black Album uh, back in the UK in a really nice frame and everything with like the certificate and all that kind of thing. Um, and it pains me to this day that I don't have it here in Finland with me up on the wall. Oh, man. I need to get that shipped over at some point. Yeah, that's major, man. That you even have it. That's crazy. <laughs> I think I paid a small fortune for it. So this was back in the day in the early 2000s when like Universal Records used to um, do like a limited run of 100 or 150 like signed copies of certain albums. Um, And they would put on eBay and you could bid on like, you know, all 150 listings. And obviously the, I think the money would go to charity or the profits would go to charity or something like that. And over the years, I, amassed kind of quite a few of them so i've got like the college dropout signed by kanye obviously the black album uh next to me here there's a james brown one p diddy album jada kiss a few that i got rid i think i've got 50 cent get rich or die trying as well back in the uk then over the years i bought some and sold a few as well so i had uh what should i get rid of nellyville i had framed and then got rid of that and then one big regret is I had, um, which album was it? D12 World, I think. Yeah. Obviously signed by all of D12, including Proof, including Eminem. And then I ended up selling it and getting rid of it stupidly. Yeah. <laughs> that's one I wish I'd kept. Yeah, but that Proof signature, man. It's, probably like, it's like a relic. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, to have this Jay Z one is um well, I was gonna say the pride of my collection. It probably is actually. It's one of the you know, one of the rarest and like I say I think I paid a small fortune for it at the time, yeah, around sort of two thousand and three. I don't imagine how much I actually uh, did pay for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was worth it. Had it framed, it looks nice. Just a shame it's in a loft or an attic, you know, about 1,200 miles away from where I uh, actually live. Yeah, yeah. But one day, one day I'll sort it out. Yeah. <laughs> so let's have a chat about the video. So again, let's let's talk about some basic stats. Um, so the videos were only uploaded onto Jay-Z's YouTube channel, you know, years and years later. I don't think he had a channel for quite a while. Mm. Um, but between the edited and unedited versions, it's got like 20 million views. What I did find interesting is there's, like I say, there's an edited and unedited version. I think the unedited just shows some parts of the video that are blurred out in the edited version. Yeah. But it still uses the radio version of the audio, which I thought was a bit strange. You know, if you're going to make an unedited version, then, you know, use the album version that has the cursing in it and stuff. But but no. Yeah. Um, and then the video itself, quite a simple premise, I guess. A... Um, a fashion show with Pharrell sat uh, catwalk alongside the catwalk, pulling models from the catwalk as they go down. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, sort of Jay doing his thing. Like I say, in this video, it, it doesn't look dated, but it looks of it of its time, I guess, of the early kind of 2000s, especially the kind of fashion that's involved in the fashion show and the styling of it and stuff like that. It is where we, again, see some early... Uh, BBC pieces. Um, so we've got Pharrell in the uh, Bape General's hoodie, uh, the grey one that he was rocking a lot at the time. And you, I think he's also wearing that in the um, the Black Album documentary when he's in the studio as well. Yeah. He's got the, I think they're the Bape camo combat pants as well. And he's got the, the skateboard chain and pendant, classic piece of jewellery. And then we get... Um, a peak of the the white uh, BBC season zero, in fact, uh, hat. Oh yeah. So yeah, that was one early BBC piece in there. That was a subtle nod to the hat because it only came in for like maybe one frame. So yeah, I think he literally kind of puts it on, pulls it down, and that's it. And that's all you kind of see of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's got he's got the white version on, if I remember correctly. And if I also remember correctly, yeah. There were even more limited white versions. So obviously the there was like a denim version, a blue. There was the brown version, which I've got one of here somewhere. I'm not quite sure where. And then I don't think there were any other ones publicly released. And I want to say the white was a friends and family version, I think. Yeah, I, I, uh, I believe so. Yeah, I don't remember seeing any white ones available for sale. If anyone out there has one, then uh, do let me know for sure. Yeah, I would definitely want to see it. <laughs> yeah. So the video itself starts with Jay-Z kind of getting out of his car, walking a red carpet, uh, going to this venue, to this event, um, and then a, a very, very awkward kind of conversation with a someone who's playing a reporter there. Um, I'm not a fan of these kinds of things in music videos. Yeah. I tend to find they don't hire, don't hire the best actors, and they also... Yeah, musicians aren't always the best actors themselves either. So I, fo- I find that kind of interaction comes across a little bit awkward and cringeworthy with the guy, you know, asking him a question. I think he says something like, is this definitely your your last album? And 
Jake says like yes, and then sort of tries to make some kind of joke like he are you coming in as well? And the guy says, you know, I wish or whatever it is, and then Jake says nope and walks <laughs> off. And yeah. it's like it's a quirky little quip that he makes, but um, it does come across as a little bit kind of a uh, awkward and and stilted from. Uh, at least one of them who isn't uh, an actual yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was funny. So then, obviously, we, we get into the video. We get into the um, the fashion show. Like I say, it's a fairly sort of simplistic premise of you know lots of models, including you know Naomi Campbell. Who else is there? Kimora Lee Simmons, Jessica White's. And uh, various other models as well, and also some cameos from you've got Memphis Bleak in there, Beanie Siegel strutting the catwalk at the end as well at one point, most deaf in there. Yeah. And yeah, it just turns into one big kind of a fashion show. So give me your kind of what are your thoughts on on the video itself as a whole? Um, yeah, like you said, it's definitely of its time. You know, some of the few key things that I saw, you know, uh that reminded me of that is just like you know, off rip as soon as he pulls up as you know, he's coming out of a Maybach. Uh definitely of its time. I think the Maybach came out in like the early two thousands, so it was definitely a big uh flex for Mercedes. Yeah, there's a Maybach reference in the track as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely, you know, <laughs> makes it a point to to make a, a reference to that, you know. Uh I guess we gotta be in a different tax bracket to make those kind of lines, you know. <laughs> uh <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a really, you know, fly video, uh, you know, very feel good. Um, like you said, that the, the track came out, what, November 4th? I think the album came out November 14th or something like that. So it definitely gives me, uh, like, a holiday vibe whenever I hear that album. It really is nostalgic to, to that time and that feel of, you know, some holiday feel because, I know over here, you know, in Chicago and with my family, like we're big, you know, hip hop heads. So that was a big deal when that album dropped. I'm sure it was a big deal for everybody. You know, it was his, you know, quote unquote last album. Yeah. So, you know, it was definitely a big deal. And to, you know, have, you know, everybody on that album, every, you know, major producer and then having, you know, Pharrell do two, that's, that's incredible. Like that's an unheard of, uh, especially on, you know, uh, someone's, you know, last album. Uh, but as far as the video goes, yeah, like you said, it's just like of the time, uh, what I remember is just like pinstripes everywhere. Like, <laughs> that's what I noticed. Those kind yeah. of, um, oversized button up shirts that, you know, yeah. Jay had moved into at that time that were kind of becoming the, uh, the fashion and part of his kind of dress staple as well. Yeah. And some really, um, interesting uh yeah kind of colorways in the shirts as well oh yeah yeah uh i don't know if you know pinstripes hit heavy uh you know in the uk but over here like people were definitely wearing that so <laughs> you know he definitely is he's, he's a trendsetter in that in that in that right you know i did read i'm going to try and find it now quickly while we're talking about it because i did see a quote and i don't know kind of quite how true this is bear with me while i find it so this is on genius um genius.com uh, you know on this track um and it kind of it says uh, the song is an ode to dressing better and losing throwback jerseys a message so powerful that it actually had nba commissioner david stern himself begging hove to tell people to change clothes back after a decline in jersey sales oh wow now i'm not 
I'm not sure it was, you know, Jay himself that, um, you know, forced in this song that kind of forced the decline in Jersey sales. I think it was probably more of a, a trend that was kind of happening in, in fashion anyway. Yeah. But yeah, the, the fact that someone kind of, you know, comes out and, and says that and, you know, kind of references the track as well is, uh, is quite a big thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you're doing something right when you got NBA commissioner <laughs> asking you like, Hey, can you stop doing what you're doing? <laughs> Cause you're hurting our say Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's funny now because you know Jay's. Uh, I don't know if he's still you know partial owner of uh, Brooklyn. I think he's like a one percenter. He barely has a percentage of the team, but I think it's less than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's just it's funny nonetheless. You know. Now I know. Yeah, he he's part of an NBA team or franchise. You know, so it's crazy. But yeah, it's another thing that you know how you were saying like everyone had their signature looks. Uh, you know, you mentioned the the Bait General hoodie that P had on. The the one thing that I take away from that video is P's uh Princess Anne High School uh Letterman. That yeah incredible. Like that's so synonymous and just uh, especially, you know, with that with the whole VA area, that was just a uh, a great piece that he would always wear. Um it kinda sucks that he never like maybe did like a collab with the school, uh along with BBC, just to add like a like an actual yeah. full size run, that'd have been crazy. Yeah, I've always kind of I've always thought that because they they've obviously produced a lot of sort of varsity and Letterman jackets over the years, and I was going to say it, some of them take influence that we've seen it in some of the colorways of some of the jackets and stuff they do all that kind of you know the red and the white and stuff, and I'm sure that probably came from that Princess Anne um, jacket or inspired it at least partly. Yeah, but yeah, I've always I've always thought he would in the past would do a version of it of some kind. Yeah, yeah. or yeah, collaborate with them for some kind of special anniversary to produce it for other people, perhaps, or students. Yeah. But I guess we'll never know, you know, <laughs> it'll be his, his own, you know, his piece, something that he, you know, he carries with him for the rest of that's exclusive to just him. Yeah. We also get a, there's a BBC reference later in the, the track as well. And again, the, the line kind of juxta to, I can't even say the word, Juxtapose. Oh, I can't speak now. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. To um, what Jay is wearing. So there's the BBC reference, or he says, um, or I might be tailored up. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he sat there wearing a really oversized yeah. pinstripe button-up with the baggy jeans. Probably, I'm guessing, with S dots on his feet as well. Yeah. So that was kind of somewhat uh, ironic, I thought, as he as he said that that like nobody looked like they'd been to see a tailor in that music video yeah definitely not <laughs> yeah it's kind of you know of, of the time you said you know like you said of the time everyone's wearing like two size you know two x bigger than what they usually wear so yeah it was a wild time <laughs> but I, I guess that was kind of that that period where you know jay was becoming you know he was trying to move away almost move away from being a you know quote unquote rapper and into you know the businessman that you know we kind of know him for yeah as now so he was he was trying to be more grown i guess mm-hmm. seem more um professional because yeah he references stuff like that in quite a few tracks in terms of you know his shoes his cufflinks uh his monogrammed shirts and then obviously you know talk of you know the maybach and how he doesn't have you know rims anymore how he has like the stock 
the stock wheels because they're worth so much anyway. He doesn't need or want rims. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he he uh, has this kind of you know just he leaves it like a you know as he kind of says you know like a grown up would. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He definitely like uh, I guess the dynamic that P and, and J had was almost like always this like grown and sexy type of feel. Um, they kind of like cemented that as like their sound. Um, so for Jay Z to kind of double down on that and then enter the build- business realm and carry that over like this, you know, grown and you know put together uh, persona. Like there's no there's no wonder why he is where he is because I feel like he had that way before you know anybody ever thought of making it like cool, you know, uh, you know, doing the business yeah. side of it. Cause honestly, like there's plenty of people that have done ventures of that, uh, during that era, but you know, with Dame Dash and all of them, but Jay did it in a way that was like, I guess, yeah, like genre list or like genre bending, um, where he was able yeah. to kind of navigate through the, you know, the bigger space of like, you know, finance and business. That's, that's a really hard thing to do, especially coming, you know, from the rap world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, most definitely. And you mentioned Dame Dash there. Dame makes a, a brief cameo appearance, um, unsurprisingly, uh, with some product placement of, uh, I think it's Armadale vodka he's got, which yeah, yeah. I think Jay, Jay at least used to have shares in. But yeah, it's like I say, it's around that time where yeah, Jay is kind of, you know, moving into that business world. And, and obviously, he's already a big deal at that time. You know, like it was meant to be his last album. It was a big kind of fanfare exit from the music business and into other business. Obviously, you know, I think it was inevitable that he would come back anyway. Yeah. But you look at all the kind of stuff he's been doing alongside the music as well over the years. It's um, yeah, it's incredible for someone to go yeah from from where he's from to navigating the music business and Def Jam and Rockefeller mm. and then to, you know, kind of start up his own you know, investment firm and not just, you know, start chucking his money into different ventures, but actually really smartly investing yeah, and actually making, you know, a lot of money back off of that. It's like you mentioned earlier with, um, you know, the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets franchise, yeah, you know, that that's been kind of, you know, great for him, great for them. Um, yeah, they've obviously they play what the Barclay is it a Barclay Center? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, a, a lot of that kind of investment and stuff comes from having someone like him alongside the brand and and stuff like that. So yeah, he's been doing yeah, obviously huge things, and this is where you kind of really start to see him move into that. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, at the time, um, I know BBC at the time was uh, kind of just starting with uh, with Bape. Um, that's, uh, I just, I peeped your, your, uh, your sample, your BAPE, uh, BBC sample, uh, the polo incredible. Like, yeah. I don't know how you got that, but it's crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, There's not many of them around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like at the time, so the business deal with, uh, uh, Rockefeller or not Rockefeller, uh, what was the clothing brand called? Uh, Rockaware. That's how the, yeah, yeah, that's how the, the deal went in with uh, Rockaware and BBC. So Rockaware started to take over BBC manufacturing. So like all the stars aligned. So not only are they doing music together, you know, they're in the business realm too. So it's like this big umbrella of just business and, and you know, enterprise. And it's incredible. Yeah, and there's some weird kind of um, crossovers there. 
you know, like you say, there's also the kind of Reebok crossover. You know, Reebok were doing stuff with uh, Rockaware, doing the S-Dots. Obviously, they were making the ice creams for, for BBC Ice Cream. And obviously, they were then meant to go on and make the ice cream clothing brand, which never happened because of the falling out with Reebok. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, years down the line, you have um, Iconics going in and buying, you know, a large chunk of Rockaware and distributing it in, you know, every store on the planet essentially you know low and high market and then they did the same with bbc they went in there and bought you know the the majority of shares from pharrell and nego and you know bbc went from being a kind of you know high-end exclusive brand to you know finding in you know every department store on the planet almost yeah yeah luckily i think you know bbc have kind of pulled that back a little bit over the last sort of five years or so yeah in in the u.s there's still obviously much more of a top of the kind of mainstream brands um they're not kind of i don't i i personally wouldn't consider them kind of you know high-end fashion in the u.s but but then you look at the stuff they do in japan and obviously the eu which is kind of the the luxury arm of the the brand now and they're um they're still kind of pushing that now and yeah they've made a made a good comeback but it's been interesting to see kind of all those crossovers over the years with, yeah, you know, BBC Reebok, Rock Aware, and obviously Jay and Pharrell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, um, like you said, that, you know, this, uh, these collabs, they, they happen organically because everyone's kind of part of the culture and they just want to, like, kind of, like, see each other win in any way. So, you know, whatever way they can facilitate that, that win and that vision, like, it's incredible to see. And it just reminds me of that time where, that was more of a a common thing um, where you saw these buyouts and, and overlaps and things of that nature. You don't really see that too much now, especially in the fashion world. But yeah, it was just uh, it was it was cool to see. Um, it makes me happy uh, to know that you know that that was a that was a really important time in music history, fashion history. Yeah, and it, it birthed a lot of you know new new business models. Not I would say I would say new. But it birthed a lot of people using that model to start their own brands. Uh, you know, the Tylers, the Golf Langs, and you know things of that nature. They all use that same model. So yeah, thanks to you know Pharrell and Jay and Nigo and all those guys for that. Because we wouldn't have half the brands we have now if you know, especially uh, yeah, definitely third-party guys. Like if you're not in in the you know the Nikes or the Adidas of the game, it's really hard to kind of break through. But they they showed that you could do that. On a, on a more smaller scale. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, BBC obviously had help from BAPE who had kind of established themselves over the kind of couple of years before and obviously help from Reebok. But, you know, they were essentially doing it themselves. You know, they were a you know, small operation, you know, and I think Philip has told the story a few times on in different interviews and podcasts. But, you know, it's, when they you know, set up the BBC web store, it was, you know, him and Loik in, I think, Loik's mum's antique store basement, you know, hand-packing, hand-shipping out all the orders that they, they were getting and stuff. Yeah. And then from there, it just, you know, grew and grew, basically. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what else have we got with the track? Let's try and round that up. Okay. I think it's one of those tracks where I'd call it like an easy listening track. It's one of those tracks you can kind of stick on in the background and... Sing along to it, rap along to it, whatever you kind of want to do. It, there's nothing overly complicated in it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the hook itself is quite sort of slim, simplistic um, and kind of quite catchy. You know, lyrically, I wouldn't say it's, you know, uh, Jay's best work. Yeah. Again, it's kind of quite simplistic. There's a couple of like little um, little bits of wordplay in it that I quite liked. And again, they're nothing special, mm-hmm. but I just quite like them. There's the um, uh, Gotta Keep a Peace Like a Buddhist. And then the I Ain't a New Jack, Nobody Gonna Wesley Snipe Me, which I think are, are lines or references that have been made in other tracks in the past as well. Mm-hmm. And they're not groundbreaking, but I just think they, they fit into the song quite well. And uh, they always kind of stand out to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The the wordplay that he uses is second to none, you know. Uh Pharrell said it best, like the way he blacked out on on uh, Reasonable Doubt or Dead Presidents, like Pharrell's right. <laughs> like you don't get that very often. And especially the fact that he doesn't write. That's incredible. Like mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, definitely a bunch of hot lines on that track. And some of the lines are like deeper in meaning, but like the the delivery is so like simple and like to the point. Um, but you kind of have to like read through the lines and you're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> Very subliminal. Yeah. That's the thing. He, yeah. He, even in Jay's kind of, um, I don't know how quite how to phrase it, not his weaker work, but stuff like this stuff that does come across as a bit more simplistic, a bit more poppy, I would guess. Yeah. You know, not like real kind of hardcore hip hop tracks or real kind of, you know, club tracks or anything. It's, um, there's still, yeah, there is still wordplay in there. There are still, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think what it is now, but yeah, you know, yeah. Like I say, the the wordplay and the synonyms and the, the, like I say, the sort of sub, subliminal kind of messages and sort of things in there as well. Yeah. There's always something in there in a track. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you, you kind of said like um, there's a bit of, there's parts where he kind of like does a lot of switch ups or, you know, kind of uh, changes his bounce a little bit. And th- those are the moments where those lines come out. Like, so he kind of wants to make them stick. You know, like he'll he'll switch up the flow just so you get that, you know, that one point. And he, I, he does it so effortlessly and flawlessly. Like he, Jason has a really good way of like pocketing himself in, in the beat. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows how to like really dissect and know where he should be. There's a lot of artists that can, yeah. can rap, um, but they obviously more so they're the forefront. Jay's an accompaniment like of, of this you know, very grandiose, you know, um, track. Like he, he just knows where to be. That's a really, you know, great skill. Yeah, that, that's how you can tell a, you know, a, not just a good rapper, a good musician, yeah, a good lyricist from from you know a, an average one. You know, a, an average rapper will just you know can have a beat and can just rhyme over the top of it. You know, in time to the beat, and maybe have some great wordplay in there or whatever it might be. But you know, yeah, like you say, Jay kind of knows how he fits into the beat itself he knows how to be an instrument almost himself to kind of fit into like you say those pockets and uh work around the kind of the parts of the music that he wants people to hear or think should hear as well yeah and i think yeah that's been one of his kind of great skills over the years as well being able to kind of do that and that's what makes even now when you know he puts out music it still sounds a lot of it still sounds you know fresh mm-hmm. And you go back to the really old stuff, and the old stuff doesn't sound dated. That still sounds fresh as well. Yeah, yeah. and that's because he has that kind of you know masterful way of you know putting his lyrics together and actually you know embodying them and embedding them into a track. Yeah, yeah. I remember you know Jay saying in, in the uh, Fade to Black that you know you meet these people, 
uh, obviously speaking of Pharrell and Chad, um, you meet these people and like you just you know when there's synergy there. You may not know, you may have not have worked with them, you know, previous or like had a, a you know large relationship over time. Um, sometimes you just meet these people and create these amazing things. Yeah, it's, you know, it's really hard to come by uh, music because it's so saturated. So when you do find those people, uh, it really means a lot to to the best work that you can and uh, do it at the highest level possible. And obviously they've shown that time and time again. Yeah, definitely. And that's why when whenever there's kind of a, a new uh, J, you know, project that, that drops or a new album, yeah, the first thing I want to know is, yeah, is there a Neptune's track on there? <laughs> yeah, like it's almost like, honestly, usually that's, a, you know, if I see a certain artist that, or even if there's even talks of an artist even, you know, hinting at the fact that they worked with the Neptune, I'm on it, like, just to even see. And how you said that, like, where it still sounds fresh, uh, P has been able to do that consistently, too, and, and do it in ways that are very, like, left and, you know, kind of, like, unorthodox. It's a really hard skill. Like, mm-hmm. You know, the stuff he did, you know, happy, just in case in point, happy. Like you went from, you know, creating the most like grimy, like almost like dirty, uh, you know, drug reference tracks for Pusha T. And then you go to, you know, all the way to the extreme. Of- yeah, he, he he go from like, yeah, Pusha to Nori to, yeah, to Jay, whoever it may be. And yeah, and then sort of flip it like that and, uh, yeah, bring us happy and, uh, you know, it girl and, you know, real kind of, you know, poppy crossover tracks, but they still, they still appeal. Yeah. They still, still appeal to, you know, even, you know, us that are probably, you know, big hip hop fans. Yeah. And then they appeal to, you know, kids and grandparents and all that kind of thing as well. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a big skill to, uh, be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and you spoke to the point of like, uh, you know, kind of like this timeless feel. Um, and, you know, Pharrell's production and also just him as kind of in general, like him as a uh, as a celebrity or, you know, this persona um, that he, he was on or has, it, it is timeless. Like he, he is timeless, whether it be like his physical being, like we all know this man's a vampire. <laughs> he doesn't age. Uh, so... Yeah, like he's able to cross those, you know, those barriers of like uh, generational gaps. What what people would see him as like, all these are big gaps. Pharrell does it seamlessly. Like I know plenty of kids that look at, you know, look to Pharrell now. It's twenty twenty two. They're almost gonna be twenty twenty two. Like that's incredible for to to have that range and that you know that that pool. Yeah, and that that's what I still find amazing. It's like you know I'm I'm nearly forty and I still have kids that are like 18 19 20 like messaging me like hey can can you help me find this bbc piece from you know 2005 or you know or you know commenting on you know og pieces that i have or hitting me up to try and buy a pair of sneakers or whatever it might be yeah and it's crazy to think that yeah most of these kids yeah this track we're talking about is nearly 20 years old yeah some of these kids that like you know message me and want to buy a pair of ice creams they weren't even born when this track came out yeah but it still carries and they still they, they feel it they feel that like that's an undeniable thing when you feel it in, in your soul and in your heart like that bounce gets you moving that's universal like it's it's ageless 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Especially with this track. And it's what I always kind of um kind of compare like Pharrell to kind of you know the music that you know Quincy Jones made with with Michael. Yeah. Like even though even though I'm like old as fuck now, like a lot of Michael's stuff was made before I was born. Yeah. And I grew up listening to that. And even now, you know, fifty years on from when it was made, mm-hmm. some of that stuff is it still gets played in clubs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can go to a club or a bar and they're still playing Jackson. Yeah, a Jackson 5 track will still come on. And everybody in there will know it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like I said, you know, but I guess we can kind of, come, you know, say like, so we have these these people in in, uh, in this space that obviously birth other people. So Michael, Stevie, Prince, they, you know, they birth these sounds. Uh, you know, the New Jack Swing birthed, you know, uh, you know, Chad and P and then Chad and P birthed uh, uh, the internet and Tyler and, you know, people of that nature. Uh, so it's like, um, we have this like sustainability in music um, that carries over, you know, genre, uh, uh, age, ages and ages and ages and decades. And it, it never gets old because it's like tried, true and tested. And, you know, Chad and Pharrell and, and especially Chad and Pharrell with, with Jay, like, have this ability to kind of, like, have that sustainability and just, you know, keep reaching new heights, and it's incredible to see, man. Like, there are certain artists, you know, yeah, Pharrell, the Neptunes being one of them or two of them, however you want to put it. Yeah, they're kind of um, the, the backbone to music. You know, you, you mentioned earlier, yeah, music now is so saturated. Anyone can make a beat. Anyone can make a track. Anyone can make 30 seconds that are really, really catchy and it becomes popular on you know, TikTok or wherever it may be. Mm-hmm. But then six months or a year later, they're you know, nowhere. Yeah. Or there's or there's 30 other versions of them. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Pharrell and Chad and Michael, Quincy, Prince, Stevie, whoever it may be, you know, yeah, they will just kind of, you know, live on forever and kind of continue to inspire you know no matter what yeah yeah they'll definitely live on in infamy and their music will kind of like i would say outlast them in a way it sounds cryptic but <laughs> but yeah like it, it's the you know the music's definitely synonymous not only with with the person uh but also the time and feel of of uh society at the time and or culture just how it swings and has this you know uh you know very like engulfing effect where it brings people in over and over and over and over, you know. Uh, yeah, I know this is off topic, but like Silk Sonic in general, like they came out with an album, probably one of the most incredible albums I've heard in like twenty years. But they came out to, like this year. It's like uh, there's still a space for that for those type of people. And you know, case in point, Pharrell is one of those people. There's still a space for him. There's still, you know, he's able yeah. to to jump when they say jump. And he said he said it himself, like yeah. he likes to get in and get out, like. <laughs> Get it while it's hot, and he disappears. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of crazy to think that you know the likes of, yeah, in search of is twenty years old already, and it's still yeah still getting played, and it will still be getting played in fifty years time, as will front in and happy and you know hundreds of other tracks that they've worked on, produced, featured on, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like front for uh, for instance has a, a TikTok dance, like that's incredible. Like, yeah, <laughs> you got you know kids 
you know, 10 or 11 years old doing this TikTok dance. They probably don't know the song, but they know that dance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they know that groove yeah. and that feel. Definitely. All right, cool. Should we get on to a bit of news or did you have anything else for change clothes? Um, I just had a few set, uh, uh, notes for just mm -hmm. like the, I'm, I'm a producer. Uh, so I just want to take notes as far as like some of the intricate parts of the beat, let alone the yeah. actual, like some of the hot lines he has. Uh, just some quick ones. Um, the oh, I noticed when I listened uh, recently that the track doesn't have a hi hat, so all the percussion uh, section of that beat is what gives it that bounce. Uh, I I just not noticed that uh, recently. I'm like, man, that can't, that track doesn't have a hi hat. Like, <laughs> so it gets its bounce. Okay, I don't off. think I've ever noticed that. To be honest, yeah, that, yeah, that that track gets most of its bounce just from the percussion. And then, um, like you said, it was very simplistic, uh, the way that they carried it, especially with the harmonies and uh, kind of like the main piano chords that are in there. I think Kanye made it uh, a reference to like, or he said it best, meaning like uh, Pharrell is and Chad, they have this ability to take gospel music and make it punk. And that, especially with this song, using... Uh, some crazy gospel chords for the main piano pieces, and then you know, obviously following around that, you know, it's crazy just to hear it. Um, you know, normally it'd be long, drawn out chords, uh, and they kind of just shorten them up. So you're going, you know, you're getting the bum 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 bum, and then you know, they'll follow that with the bass line. The bass line is sparse, but it's efficient. That's why I love the track yeah. so much. It's it's bouncy but very um, open. And I think that's why Jay-Z, mm -hmm. you know, kind of capitalized on that and that openness, you know. Uh, just another hot line that you were saying that kind of hit home um, and it was kind of like slept on a little bit is uh, he said, he and the boy make, uh, he and the boy for real make beautiful music. He is the to the East Coast what Snoop is, to the West Coast what faces to Houston. Like, that's crazy. Because now he's, you know, kind of like referencing, <laughs> referencing uh, influence. And, and in places that you yeah. don't live, like he, you know, Jay is, Jay is right. Like he is the Snoop to the East. And mm -hmm. especially with that like bravado kind of braggadocious type of uh, flow. Um, and then, you know, even for us as a, himself, like faces, you know, uh, baby face, he's, you know, big in the game. Like he, you know, comes to him all the time for, you know, help or, just to kind of run things by him because Face has so much influence, not only in in Houston, but all over the U.S. Uh, he's, he's a real integral part of not only the New Jack sound, but, you know, Pharrell and Chad's kind of, you know, entry point into the game, you know. Uh, but yeah, I definitely got that from, from that beat. I think he's referring to Scarface. Oh, is he? So I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get it now. <laughs> point still, point still, step there. Yeah, point still stands though. But yeah, yeah, yeah probably. I, we, like I said, we, you know, you can listen to the same song and experience it in two different ways. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But uh, the last point I had about the song is like almost like I would probably say this song is very. I can you can kind of call it a you know excuse me miss part two. If there was a part two, I know that you know. Mm -hmm. uh, the video ended with, excuse me, miss, obviously he got the girl, but let's say he did it and there was another girl that he was, you know, trying to get after. I would think, excuse me, miss would probably be that answer. I think there was a part two of some kind, or there was a video that labeled, that was labeled that. 
Ah, uh, yeah, it was um the one off of the Bad Boy soundtrack, I think. Oh yeah, the remake. That uh, the la 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 one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it's called. Yeah, it's like la la la. Excuse me, miss again in brackets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that- but it's a, it's a completely different type of track. It's like yeah, it's almost opposite to "Excuse You Miss," but I know what you mean in terms of the way this um, it sounds, the flow, and and that kind of thing, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that groove is definitely you know parallel with each other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's all I got as far as like notes for the for the. If you want to get to some news, we can do that too. So yeah, as I mentioned at the start, everyone's pretty well aware. I've been away for a while, so we're not going to go through every bit of news, but let's talk about some of the stuff. Um, that's been happening over the last five or six months. Some of the the key things, some of the things, the Neptunes or uh, the Naptunes, of our, as I've typed in my notes here. <laughs> Correct that, otherwise I'll end up saying it as I read it. So let's start off. Let's start where I left off last time with uh, in search of twentieth anniversary. I can't remember if I talked about this last time, but there was the um, the Adidas Hue NMD release. Yeah. Uh, for the In Search of 20th Anniversary. Obviously, that came out in the US in, I think they released around August time, didn't they, in the US? They did a, uh, a limited drop, also available at BBC, I think. Here in Europe, they were meant to be made available August, October, I think it was, or maybe September, um, and they never appeared. Uh, and then they randomly appeared on the Adidas Confirmed app about two weeks ago. Um, so I managed to get a pair from there as I didn't get a pair the first time around. I was very close to buying a pair from eBay or somewhere else and paying the ridiculous prices that people were charging. Um, but yeah, luckily I managed to get hold of a pair. They're currently sat in a delivery depot in just outside Helsinki somewhere where they've been for about five days. Uh, so I haven't got my hands on them yet, but I'm sure I will in the coming days. Are you a fan of the the various like Hue NMDs that they do? Yeah, uh, my I'd probably say my favorite drop so far. I, I don't get me wrong. I love the the In Search of Twentieth drop, but my favorite would probably be the quilted um, NMDs that they uh, put out. Uh, they're like a white and blue colorway. Yeah, the like the quilted upper with uh, the raised uh, patchwork on on the for the, the lettering for friends and family. I think they're friends and family editions. Uh, I don't think they dropped uh, for um, general release. Yeah, it's probably be my favorite pair as far as the NMDs go. Um, I do like the Solar Hues when they did when they were out. Solar Hues were a big fan of, so comfy. Oh yeah, they remind me definitely of a uh, you know Ultra Boost, but mm-hmm. done in a way that's not. It, it gives it some flair. Like Ultra Boost is very like you know monochromatic they have their their look and everyone knows what they are but they don't add much to the eye and solar hues kind of gave it that pop oh man that's yeah different. definitely yeah i'm a big fan of the solar hues the thing with the nmds i've got about six or seven pairs here i think but i can't get my feet into them they are the worst shoe for just getting on and off mm-hmm. i don't know if i have a, a weirdly large ankle of some kind or whatever it is but yeah, I just find them a nightmare to get on. Whereas the um, once they're on, they're fine. Yeah, uh, and they're yeah, a good comfy shoe. But just getting them on and off is an absolute pain in the backside. So I never tend to wear them. Um, but with the solar hues, yeah, they seem to fit a lot better. 
and they are like mad comfy. Oh, yeah. You could wear them like you know, all day long. And then obviously everyone knows, you know, I'm a big tennis hue fan as well. So, you know, I've got 25, 30 pairs of those. And especially in the summer, I tend to just live in those. Oh, yeah, for sure. The Stan Smiths, you know, we can't forget about those. I know those are like a later uh, or earlier draft that he, you know, he's come out with. But uh, I've always loved the, the silhouette of the Stan Smith. And obviously we all know that ice cream is built on that silhouette. So. Mm-hmm. Especially with you know with the horse hair stuff or or pony hair I should say yeah and you know shout out to King of Cream he's about to do his uh, drop of uh, the Pharrell packs I've got uh, yeah I've got a note here to mention a uh, good friend of the podcast David you probably all know him we can get onto this next piece of news obviously during towards the end of the summer maybe Pharrell was on uh, sneaker shopping on Complex uh, didn't buy anything was obviously just there to promote his own products. Um, but as part of that, they, they had a, a range of shoes presented to Pharrell as they discussed various things, um, including, you know, some of the rarer things like the Chanel Pharrell's various other recent releases. They also had a lot of OG ice creams there. Uh, they were provided by King of Creams by David. So yeah, big shout out to David there doing big, big things with complex now. He is he is Pharrell's plug for his own shoe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, he's got stuff that Pharrell don't even have or remember. Probably he does. If yeah, you, you know, if, I'm sure if you met him, he'd probably be like, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. Literally, there, there's a few pairs that he does have that I don't think he's kind of really shown off. That you know, they were Pharrell's basically. They've probably been on Pharrell's feet at some point as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like you say, there's probably a lot of stuff here Pharrell probably didn't even realize had been made. That, uh, that David has as well. Yeah. So yeah, shout out, uh, shout out, David. What else? During the summer, I popped back to London for a few days, so made the usual trip uh, to BBC EU. Uh, got a few bits and pieces. What did I get? A hoodie of some kind, a crew neck, a couple of t-shirts, just some yeah bits and pieces um, from their range in the summer. I think the crew neck I got was one of their new ice cream items with the the kind of classic cones and bones um, on the front with a kind of drop shadow behind it. And then, yeah, a few other random bits. So I've got to say shout out to, to Aiden at BBC EU for uh, looking after me as they always do uh, when I kind of pop through and, and buy some bits. So yeah, thanks Aiden. What else have we got? A few tracks that have come out since uh, the last podcast. I'll try and get through them quite quickly. One that friend of the podcast Brent worked on, um, Rakeem Miles' new track, uh, produced by Chad, uh, with Brent on guitar on uh, the hook. Rakeem, hopefully on the podcast at some point soon, so I'm going to say this again to remind him, but um, he should be joining us soon in the coming weeks or months, um, and we can definitely uh, talk about that track. That was one um, I really liked recently, that obviously Chad was involved in and Brent. Uh, what else have we got? Summer Walkers, uh, that right there, produced by the Neptunes featuring Pharrell. What else have we got? ASAP Ferg's Green Juice. I don't think that was out last time we did a uh, podcast. Uh, so that dropped as well as um, quite a nice video that went with it as well. Yeah, I definitely like the video. Crazy. Yeah, uh, really good visuals on it. Uh, there was a... A Metallica remix album that came out, I think, about a month ago or so. The Neptunes did a remix of Wherever I May Roam. Um, a really good remix, I have to say, as well. Um, obviously, Metallica, while I appreciate the uh, 
you know, the music and their, their legendary status. It's not the sort of thing I tend to listen to, despite living in Finland, the, the heavy metal capital of the world. But yeah, really good track, really good remix, and one that I, you know, have actually been listening to occasionally. Uh, and then recently, ah, the track with the French guy, is it Olesan? I think his name is pronounced. Yeah. Again, produced by the Neptunes, featuring Pharrell on there. Pharrell has a short verse on there, I think, if I remember rightly. Uh, again, really nice track. Those were kind of the key ones of the last few months. Have I missed any? Anything you can think of? No, I think you nailed them all pretty much. Uh, I know they, you know, they got some in the works that are about to drop pretty soon. But as far as the grunt of what's been released, yeah, I think you got it. Yeah, it's been um, it's been strange. While a lot of people kind of during the pandemic have, you know, recorded these very quick albums or um, you know tried to push stuff out. Yeah, Pharrell and Chad just seem to have been consistently going along, working with loads and loads of different people. Yeah, continuing to kind of do what they normally do, mainly in Miami where, you know, kind of Pharrell is based these days, um, his home there or in the studio. Um, and they're, yeah, working with all sorts of people. There's obviously pictures crop up every now and again of them working with a new person. So yeah. hoping as we get into 2022, we're going to see, you know, a lot more uh, Neptune's features on uh, singles and albums of a kind of quite a wide variety of artists. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I remember one that I think you didn't get, uh, Snow Allegra. That track is incredible. That gave me definitely like, you know, that nostalgic uh, Neptune's vibe, especially with the harmonies and, and stuff. Another really good track. If I remember, I will put a link in the the show notes to that and all the other tracks we've mentioned. Uh, back to sneakers and clothing. Uh, we've had some human race drops. The Sicona, um, the the latest kind of sneaker from uh adidas and pharrell we've had a couple of different releases there was a blue version a burgundy and then most recently a shock yellow version um i haven't got my hands on a pair of these yet they do look you know the the silhouette they is a nice looking silhouette again as with anything pharrell puts out it's a little bit quirky a little bit different but i am liking them so i want to try and get my hands on a pair at some point soon yeah what else we had and again, I don't remember if we mentioned this on the last podcast, but um, the Star Trek and Hidden NY first and second drop. The second drop was around six or seven weeks ago. I know both of us are still waiting for stuff that we ordered. I picked up a few bits from the first drop. I think a hoodie and a T-shirt and something else. And I think in the second drop, I did the same. I got a hoodie and a T-shirt and maybe some socks or something. Mm-hmm. I think you grabbed a couple of bits, didn't you, as well? Yeah, uh, I ended up picking up, like, snapback hats. I'm a big hat guy, so it's usually what I get, usually accessories. Um, I recently picked up uh, an ice cream um, sweater. dropped off their, their last uh, winter drop. I got a sweater. Here in the States, uh, uh, BBC uses FedEx, so that's just going to be a while as far as shipping. So. <laughs> <laughs> Try living out in Finland, God. Oh, yeah. I know you haven't worked forever. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, this one of the things that frustrates me about BBC. Yeah, in the US, so I mentioned earlier, they're obviously a bit more mainstream over there. But they're, in the last year or so, they've been putting out a lot more designs that I really liked. And I'd like to get my hands on. Now, I know I can, in theory, reach out to 
a wide number of people in the US to get them for me or to ship them and stuff like that. But it's such a a pain in the backside that I never kind of get around to doing it. But yeah, I, I really do wish they sort of shipped internationally, not just, you know, the US and I think they do Canada now as well, don't they? But yeah. I don't know if it's really classed as classes international, I say in air quotes when it's, you know, just across the border. But I wish, yeah, I could get hold of stuff a little bit more easily out here because they've definitely had some some nice bits recently and it's obviously a lot more um cost effective than buying stuff from uh, BBC EU, yeah. as I mentioned, which is now the kind of you know luxury arm of the brand and has the the luxury prices to go with it as well. Yeah, yeah. I say the BBC EU stuff is you guys are lucky to even get some of that stuff because it's pretty exclusive. Uh, it doesn't really drop outside of that uh, that flagship. So yeah, there's some great stuff, really good designs, and I really like what they've done with with the brand and reimagining ice cream recently as well, re-releasing that, but. Yeah, kind of from a, a price perspective, it's a little bit prohibitive sometimes. Yeah, but you know, as I get older now, I'm a little bit picky, more picky with what you know what I buy and sort of spend my money on anyway. And and to be fair, while I like a lot of the new stuff, I'd rather be paying similar prices for kind of some of the the classic pieces from the early 2000s, sort of as and when I can get my hands on them. But but like I say, when I was over there in the summer for a weekend. Well, summer, maybe September I went or something, October. Um, so in the autumn, um, yeah, I did grab a few bits because it's kind of the law that I have to when I go over. Yeah. Also talking about Star Trek, again, I can't remember if I mentioned it in the last podcast, so apologies if I am just repeating myself, but we do have the new uh, Star Trek website, StarTrek.io. So if you are an OG Star Trek fan, you can jump on there to um, immerse yourself in the forum like the good old days, like the early 2000s. If you are kind of new to the Neptunes and Star Trek and all that, or you're just a lot younger than the likes of me, uh, and you're not really aware of what the, the Star Trek forum is, um, then then head over there and, and register. You know, back in the day in the early 2000s on the original Star Trek website, that's where all of the Star Trek, all the Pharrell, all the NERD fans, Neptunes fans would all kind of hang out and chat shit and talk about the new music and about shows and talk about the latest BBC drops and things like that. Yeah. Forums have kind of gone off the boil since then, really, you know, now it's all about other social platforms and, you know, discord and things like that. So the forum's not quite as, uh, as popping as it used to be, but there's definitely a lot of OGs over there. So, you know, if you did used to hang out on the Star Trek forums then go and check out the new ones, definitely. And, you know, reacquaint yourself with uh, some of the people you probably ran into about 15, 20 years ago. Other news, more human race products. So they've kind of, over the last sort of few months, been re-upping the various creams and potions that that they now sell. Um, obviously, keep Pharrell looking like he's 20, even though he's about to hit 50, I think. Yeah. Um, now you can get a, uh, I think there's various different, they, they call them body bars. Yeah. They're technically not soap because they don't contain certain things. Um, so, yeah, body bars to, you know, wash and hydrate and, and all that stuff. I've still not got hold of any of the human race products, even though they have started shipping over to Europe. Um, I haven't kind of got around to ordering anything yet. Have you tried any of these products out at all? Uh, unfortunately, no. Um, like, I, I haven't really done the amount of research to know where, where they're selling it outside of just the, the website in itself. But luckily, uh, Dover Street um, 
market is doing uh, uh, in uh, in-house um, product placement now for for human race, uh, you know, um, products. So uh, you know, it's another uh, resource you can use to you know to get your hands on it outside of just you know the main. Yeah, I think in the USA, did partner with one of the bigger department stores. It was like Barney's or yeah. somebody. Yeah. I don't know. One of those kind of names, you know, and people will probably now tell me that, you know, Barney's is a really shit awful department store that would never stock that. But it was one of, to an outsider, it was one of those kind of department chains that uh, that people know. So I think you can probably get hold of the products out there somewhere if you uh, if you don't want to kind of get them online. But yeah, hopefully I will actually get around to ordering some at some point soon. Yeah. Yeah, the last bit of news, I guess, Pharrell is about to hit your cinema screens in about a week's time, I think, 22nd of December. He's appearing as a new character in uh, Sing 2. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen the first one. I've got a young kid, so I probably have at some point. And I think he was maybe involved in the first one in some of the music or something, if I remember rightly. But now he has a, a kind of character part that he's voicing. Um, in the second movie, uh, and yeah, releasing over the kind of uh, holiday period. So, if you're a fan of the first movie, or you just want to see Pharrell play, do you know what character he's playing? Um, to my knowledge, I, don't, I think it's like a elephant. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Mm-hmm. So it might well be. Somebody will message me or correct us in the uh, yeah in the, <laughs> in the comments later. Yeah. But that's that, that's the feeling I had as well. So yeah, if you want to see Pharrell be an elephant or some other random animal, then yeah, go and check that out in the sort of coming weeks. Um, and then the final bit of news I had on my um, my news here, on my list here. Unfortunately, not not good news. Yeah. Obviously, a few weeks back or a couple of weeks back, the passing of a uh, of Virgil, I think, kind of came as quite a shock to to most people very very sudden i'm sure there were you know people that he was closer to that maybe knew this was on the cards or you know could happen at any time but i think to the wider world very much a shock you know certainly he certainly didn't have the uh you know the work ethic of somebody that was you know horribly horribly sick um he was still you know jet setting around the world every other day you know, appearing on podcasts, uh, working, designing new stuff, putting out, you know, new shoes, DJing, you know, he's been doing sort of during the summer as well, uh, as he kind of normally does. So kind of carrying on his normal life while obviously still dealing with, uh, you know, a horrible illness, which, um, you know, unfortunately took him way too early, just a number of weeks back. So really kind of awful news. One I guess kind of nice thing I think that kind of came from not came from this but came as part of this is um, at the last uh, Louis Vuitton show in Miami. Um, obviously, anyone who's anyone you know was gathered there to kind of celebrate Virgil. Uh, and there's a, a really nice kind of bit of video of uh, Pharrell and Kanye sitting next to each other with the kids as well, uh, kind of chatting, getting on, and then you know vibing out to some um, to some I think Brazilian music. Um, and just kind of, it was really nice to kind of see them two kind of legends sat there together, kind of, you know, enjoying themselves, at, um, at an event like that, where they're obviously celebrating, uh, the passing of a, a good friend of theirs and appreciating, you know, beautiful music that's being played and getting kind of, you know, really into it. That was uh, kind of quite nice to see, but, um, yeah, obviously, you know, 
it came as part of the terrible news of everybody, you know, losing Virgil. And again, I, you know, I know people that kind of know him on a kind of personal level and it's hit a lot of people, you know, really, really hard because, you know, he was, you know, not much older than me, I have to say. You know, he certainly wasn't old at all. So, yeah, really kind of awful news. Definitely. I have Peter Virgil, man. Definitely sad to hear the news of his passing, untimely passing. But it really says a lot to who he was as a as a person. Like for someone to, you know, uh, get up day in day out with a you know a bees like that, and kind of you would never know. And he still has the, you know, the vision in mind and the the work ethic. That's that's incredible, man. Like, and I kind of uh, you know go back to the what you said about the moment with Kanye and Pharrell, kind of like embracing this moment to hear. Uh, you know, that Brazilian track, it's like we we hear the same, we're listening to the same thing or we're viewing the same same thing, but we have different perspectives on that thing. Uh, so a lot of people would probably say like, you know, with Virgil, like, you know, why wouldn't he not tell nobody or why was he so private? And it's like, you know, honestly, he just wanted to, you know, shake up the, shake up the world in a way that was like, no one could take that from me. Like, you will live on not only from your contributions, but who you are as a person. Um, and, and that, that brilliance. And I say, I don't think there's, I don't think there's, sorry, go on. But yeah, that brilliance is just uh, infectious because there's tons of other kids that are going to follow in his footsteps. Yeah. And that, that's kind of, you know, the great thing about Virgil is the, the legacy he has left behind. Um, I don't think there's a s- single person out there that could, say much of a bad word about him like i said i know people that kind of know him personally they only say good things all he cares about is other people even in the days leading up to his death he was still you know from stories i saw he was still messaging people just kind of yeah people that he'd met over the years people that he would check in with every now and again you know he was still messaging them saying like you know what's up what you're working on you know, tell me, tell me what you're doing at the moment. You know, are you doing that thing we talked about? Are you following your dream and all this kind of stuff. And he was, um, yeah, immense at that, immense at inspiring people. And he has obviously left a, a legacy for, you know, other people that don't necessarily come from the, the fashion industry, let's say, to, you know, break down those barriers and actually go into those areas that they want to go into, especially, you know, for non-white people as well you know, high-end fashion has always been, you know, rich white people stuff for years and years. And, you know, he's obviously been one of the people that has really helped kind of start smashing those walls down and actually, you know, changing the way that luxury fashion works and how it's perceived and and all that kind of thing as well. So he's really left a legacy, you know, for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, it's a big thing to... Uh, go to a, a major fashion house like Louis Vuitton that's been in business for you know well over a century, almost two centuries now. But uh, you know, just to go to that fashion house and break that wall down, as you said, you know, make a way for people who you know disproportionately get or uh, that are you know disproportionately represented. It's incredible, you know, to have somebody that looks different or you know just a different you know people you know minorities don't really get that opportunity sometimes see him and you know someone who looks like me or familiar uh see him in that position it's 
it was good to see. It was it was very inspiring. Um, yeah, it's just you know it's sad, but at the same point, it's like he almost did, or he. No, I just shouldn't say he almost. He he definitely achieved it. You know, setting out to make sure that somebody would, you know, take his his place and and do even better than what he wanted to do. Feel like they they're okay with being like the weirdo or outcast or do it your way like Pharrell said Pharrell said it best you can do it too yeah definitely uh, I remember I remember I read some quotes recently that was kind of that were kind of pulled up from Pharrell, uh, Pharrell from Virgil in the past asking him about you know what his job at kind of Louis Vuitton was you know what he was meant to be doing and how he was meant to be leading the menswear team and you know his answer a lot of the time to that kind of question would be um, something along the lines of, you know, my job is just to make sure I'm making room and leaving a space for other young black kids and other minority kids to come into and to work in. So, yeah, it, it just seemed that everything he was doing was just, you know, it, it's for everyone else. He seems a very selfless person. Like I say, the amount of stories I've seen in terms of him, like I say, even when he's about to pass away and probably knew he's about to pass away, you know, contacting people as he normally would and inspiring them and making sure they're okay. And, you know, I don't want to speak for, for David, but, you know, I know David is kind of, you know, most people will know David supplied some ice creams to him a few years back for a photo shoot he had. And, you know, the stories that, you know, David's kind of told me over the years as to, you know, how, how nice and welcoming and friendly Virgil was, you know, both when he met him you know, David said to me recently, I think we were messaging and he said, yeah, you know, Vir he'd never met Virgil. They were there to obviously do a transaction, but he said, you know, Virgil made him feel like family just on the first, you know, first time of meeting him. Um, and that's the story I hear from a lot of people. And then, you know, over the years, I know Virgil's kept in touch with David and sent, sent him, you know, gift packages every now and again of shoes that were going to drop or samples or whatever it might be, knowing that he was, you know, a big collector and a big fan and advocate of, of what Virgil was doing. So it just goes to show that, yeah, he was, he was out there doing it for everybody else and, you know, not just himself as a lot of people, you know, as a lot of us do a lot of the time, you know, we, we concentrate on ourselves and try to, you know, get ourselves through life where, you know, where we probably could spend more time thinking about helping others, you know, get their way up as well. And it stings a little bit because he's a he's a fellow uh, Illinois Illinois. He's from Rockford, which is like uh, maybe like an hour or so from where I live. So it definitely stings. Let's uh, let's wrap it up there. I think I think we've we've done about an hour or so without looking at the clock. I think we've covered pretty much everything. Unless there was anything else you wanted to talk about? No, nah, man, uh, I'm good. Good stuff. All right. Well, everyone, you can go to the usual places to find the podcast. You can stream it and get all the show notes from the website, uh, theothers.net. You can follow us on all the usual social media platforms at Others Podcast. You can find me online pretty much everywhere at Steve R. Penny. If I remember, all the things we talked about will be in the show notes. Um, so whatever kind of podcast player you're using you should be able to see them and click the links and chris where can people find you mate uh you can find me on most social platforms i'm mostly on instagram uh but you can find me at beat at beats by chris lee yeah you can find me anywhere with that with the handle cool we'll make sure you're tagged in all the posts and your information will be in the show notes as well so people can jump on there and follow you if they want 
But yeah, that's it from us this week. Um, hopefully I'll be back in a couple of weeks time. In the meantime, everyone have a great Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. Uh, if you don't have a great, uh, great holidays, take some time to relax, chill, see your friends and family, do all that good stuff. And then we'll be back with another show, um, probably the second week of the new year, I think. Or maybe a little bit sooner. I'm not sure yet, but yeah, we'll see. But for now, take it easy, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>